You ever want to know what's going on in the real estate market from somebody who's actually in it? Not just national headlines or news channels that just want to stoke fear, but what's really actually going on? And how do things kind of operate in the real estate world? Well, you found the right spot. I'm Michelle Vogel, and this is The Realtor Lady, and I will tell you everything you want to know about real estate from my perspective here where I sit in Santa Cruz, California. So tell your friends you can't talk right now because you are with The Realtor Lady. Hey there, it's Michelle Ruplogel and you are with The Realtor Lady. And today we are with my broker extraordinaire, Greg Mann of Caldwell Banker Realty. We are going to forecast 2023. This is always a popular podcast and video that I do. Um, and they're and they're fun to kind of think about what's going on. But we're, we're going to recap first because I had kind of discovered that I was always talking a little bit forward, but I hadn't talked about where we've been. And I think that's important to kind of recap the year. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Prop 19, which was big for California and then turned out to maybe not be so big and then wrap up by a by a forecast. So welcome, Greg. Thanks for having me today. And yeah, let's talk. Here we are. So um, I, I will start with, <clears throat> excuse me, where I am. I'm working with buyers who are looking at the market and interest rates and thinking they have more time possibly than they have. And I'm talking to other agents, even out of state, who've said their market is the same. It's incredibly hard to figure out what's going to sell quickly and not. And it's, it's, my guess is it's still the same, really, even it, it, it's been throughout the whole year, is if you want a property, you should probably bid on it and get going because you just don't know. And from a broker perspective, what are you seeing? I'll tell you what. Today, there is there are actually two transactions closing which are related. One that closed yesterday that was also related. This was a three-home sale extravaganza. I think it's a remarkable sort of data point, so to speak, where there was a client that lives in a home, owns an investment home just a few blocks away, so to speak, and found a home that they'd like to buy and move into. So a new replacement primary residence and made an offer contingent on two homes selling, which we thought, can you make an offer on, you know, and you have to sell just one. one, right? Right. Historically, it depends on the market conditions. It depends on the offer price, perhaps. It depends on the seller's urgency, right? Well, in this scenario, yeah, they, they worked it out. And lo and behold, in this market where you are concerned, is the home going to sell at all? This person had sold two and in a timeline that was, you know, palatable to the seller of the uh, replacement property they were going for. And they did. And it was a remarkable story. Um, so right now I'm seeing that and things mm-hmm. similar to that. I'm seeing other, you know, buyers that have to sell a home that are making an offer that is being entertained that, you know, the leverage that the seller has is reduced, meaning fewer offers, more days on market. Maybe there was a price reduction mm-hmm. and many of the offers, if probably I'd say the majority of offers that I'm aware of. And, and, and seeing or advising 
agents with have contingencies. You know, they have an investigation, oh. right? Uh huh. And so I, I welcome that. I as, as a risk management minded individual, um, I think it benefits both parties, so to speak. So that's my opinion. But um, anyway, I'm I'm seeing that, and uh, you know, I think that there is a relationship between you know what the seller expects to get and wants to get in their list price, the offer price, and then of course. Can you have a contingency or multiple contingencies? Can you have a home they have to sell involved? I haven't seen a whole lot of them sell below list price at or a little bit above or even some above, but not a whole lot of them, maybe one, two out of 10 lower than list price. So list price seems to be holding. Seems to be holding. You know, uh, in reviewing the numbers, the average sales price for 2021 as a whole and the average sales price year to date right now are almost equal. The mm -hmm. median sales price, same story, right? The median's in the nines, the average is in the million three range. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're down, so to speak, from the peak in spring and summer, which is seasonally predictable. Um, but year over year, yeah, it's very likely that we're going to finish flat. Which is interesting because when the the rates went up, everybody was just, you know, the sky is falling and people were getting ready to go out there and get those deals and, you know, that the inventory didn't support that. Correct. And yeah, it's the economics. Uh, the demand is very strongly tied to what is the interest rate? Has it gone up? Has it gone down? The demand follows the line. The supply, though, is so tight. I think uh, at this time last year, we had about, I think we had about, we're at about 20% lower new listings hitting the market now compared to last year, mm -hmm. right? So new listings mm -hmm. hitting. And what is interesting about that is that you start to factor in why? I mean, we already had tight supply. Now it's even potentially going to be tighter. It doesn't reflect the active inventory is on par with last year. Right now, we're actually about tied with last year. But the new listings coming on, which would keep that active inventory up, is reduced. And so the supply could actually become further constrained. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's another relationship with interest rates and, you know, the potential that if you sell your home now, you may never have an interest rate on your next home that matches the one that you just had. Yes, this is true. Um, yes. I've been talking to some people, though, about recasting their loans where they actually pay down and then recast the loan so they can keep that rate, get their mortgage down, and um, just anything you can do to hang on to that 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 great rate. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, that's something. Oh, God, you said something. What was I going to say about that? Inventory is low. Well, what's interesting, though, in the last six weeks, I've had people talk to me about selling. And despite the rates, I think there's going to still be some people that they're going to sell. And, and then it always brings up that conversation of people sell in any market because they need to, retirement, divorce, yep. marriage. Um, so there's always that percentage. But even 
for as tight as our market is, it seems to me that those people are hanging on just a little bit longer than they they might. Um, so then that would segment way me into Prop 19 about um, where we were. We started at um, before we recorded was the ability of 55 and over disabled or uh, wildfire conditions. They could um, keep their old tax base. And we thought people would move more because of that. And I have not worked with anybody. In fact, I haven't even had anybody ask me about it. It just didn't, like you said, move the needle. Are you aware of anybody in the office that might have mentioned that they worked with it or? Like zero? I think I had one agent this year since Prop 19 came into a, I think it a rules applied, um, which was mid to late February, something like that. Um, I think I had one agent say, how does it work again? I have one client that asked about this. <laughs> we all panicked, studied up. And I'll tell yeah. you what, it's a little complicated. Um, it's actually, it's more complex than the previous rendition of the similar prop. Um, but it, um, it it took a while for financial planners and, and CPAs to wrap their head around it. And I actually had a few that would say, call that one, <laughs> right? So I'd, I'd have, I'd try to help an agent help a client and say, this is a good resource for it. And I had to get through a few to find the one that they were all pointing to. Anyway, um, yeah, it didn't move the needle. Uh, is it the market conditions? Uh, perhaps, right? I mean, buying, uh, demand was so so strong that you know if you didn't have to or feel ultra compelled to buy why would you get into that buying market mm -hmm. you know and oh right in order to take advantage of prop 19 you gotta buy you know you gotta sell and buy um you know and in that case it would have been like sell high buy high um Right. You know, and because even if your tax base is low because prices were going so crazy it, it, throughout the state, really, you're still paying more than you want to pay. Yes. So, you know, maybe it would be more advantageous in a different market that people would look back into it. Yes. I think I think market conditions are the biggest factor that I can point to that I would have to conclude impacted the sort of usability of Prop 19, the appeal of Prop 19. Um, but I, you know, I think over the next year, we might have to relearn exactly how to apply it and, and advise a client and, you know, um, but I don't want to jump ahead because I think we're getting into different market conditions now and soon again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, a good trust or probate attorney, um, really understands those yeah. talking to them before your parents die. And I want to add this in because I am going to layer this. I'm going to do some more about this too, but please get your ducks in a row with mom and dad before they can even make those decisions. Cause I did have a little bit of that this year where we were at that. We had like 10 AM in the morning till 1030 that mom was good to sign stuff and understood what she was signing. And then by noon we were done. So uh, yeah, just my warning right now, just if you have any of these questions, go, go get them answered now so what do you see happening next year do you and Dimitri ever linda at uh 
guaranteed rate. You guys ever just kind of chat about where things are going or more about uh, 49ers and that last, you know, that last quarter, which was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, was actually, there good. were a lot of good games this last weekend. <laughs> I was catching up on the uh, <laughs> condensed version of the game. You can get uh, through, uh, you know, it's like a 30-minute sped-up version. Anyway, um, yeah, Dimitri. That's cheating. I know, I know. But, hey, man, I don't have <laughs> enough time. I yeah. <laughs> have two daughters, you know. I mean, anyway. And see, that's um, how I do it. I usually, we watch, like, the 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 mid of the third quarter and then the last quarter. Well, there I mean, you go. Because that's really all that matters, right? Kind of, you know, depending. But no, Dimitri, Tim, and I do talk. Um, some of the best talks come because we have to prepare for an office meeting, right? And mm -hmm. we'll talk about mm -hmm. what do you have for the meeting, you know? And we'll say, oh, this is coming up or this just happened and this is what I have and oh, this is really good. Um, certainly the best thing recently was the uh, Barry Habib um, breakdown on, you know, forecasts basically of the economy. But yeah, we do talk and it's pertinent because one of the things is, uh, Demetri, how you doing? You know, we're seeing the mortgage, you know, industry take such a hit because rates would go up and they're in the business of selling money. And when money's very expensive, they don't have as many people taking advantage, requiring their services. And as a result, we're seeing a reduction in loan officers uh, that's um, hitting pretty hard. He's doing mm -hmm. fairly well, thank goodness. Um, but um, yeah, he and I tend to have like minds on anticipated, uh, you know, future movement. Um, and I can't speak for him personally. What I see is that uh, recently, Lawrence Yoon, the chief economist for NAR, did mention. There are gaps between the 10-year treasury and the interest rate, right? And those lines, if you look at that line graph, they are almost a perfect correlation always, right? Mm -hmm. And the gap's usually 2%, right? And it breaks down to the government borrows money all the time. They spend more than they make. And so they're a big borrower, and they generally get a better rate than we do. And yet um, there are moments or months or whatever portions of years that those that correlation misbehaves. And mm -hmm. it misbehaved, so to speak, um, in 2007. And it's misbehaving right now. And so the interest rate is too high right now. The gap is larger between those things, right? Which is kind of an anomaly. And you think, okay, what's wrong, right? What's going on? What's about to happen? Um, and it's complicated, so I don't have the answer. But um, typically, the 2% gap between those, the 10-year treasury and the uh, average in interest rate, um, you know, it, it, it should, if it were behaving right now, it would be about 6%, uh, possibly lower, uh, possibly down to 5 depending. I haven't checked the 10-year treasury bond. Um, but, um, anyway, so it's, it's interesting that for a moment there, there was a sort of a very reactionary thing that was probably related to the fed attempting to control inflation. And that's the best conclusion I can give you that. And so we had an abnormal gap that caused what were, you could consider too high of interest rates based on the other measures. And now they're settling that gap has gotten smaller. 
So it's short-lived. And it was, uh, to me, I think that the Fed was becoming um, really troubled by how much they could not influence inflation. Uh, mm. And so they were throwing everything at it. Um, right. And I think that that uh, gap, getting back to the normal 2% spread, uh, is a kind of an indicator. I think that the inflation, hopefully, I think has kind of been curbed. Um, and meanwhile, um, you know, there's another interesting statistic that inflation actually leads to a growth of wealth. Mm-hmm. Turn about on this. I love this. And this is in the answer to what's coming next year. So it's involved. It's that the average W-2 employee, you know, they get the cost of living adjustment on their salary or their wage. And it's it's a complex thing, but it's tied to certain indexes like inflation rates. So mm-hmm. wages should, if they behave, increase relative to inflation. So when inflation's high this year, there should be an increase in wages, which hits over the next year as inflation comes down. And it actually creates a little bit more wealth and it's a redistribution of wealth, right? Because it's generally speaking, it's the more mid or lower range earners. And so anyway, I think that's a, a fantastic, interesting study and that I think it applies heavily next year. And, you know, that's the sort of earner that has the biggest trouble buying homes in Santa Cruz County, right? And so what a fun thought that if that comes to pass, that they may actually have more liquid cash earnings that they're not spending and inflation subsides a bit so that they're not, mm-hmm. right? So their cash flow situation improves. Therefore, they're saving. It might take a while, but that's down payment money. That's monthly mortgage payment, right? And so if the interest rate and inflation both are more appealing, then hopefully the adjustment to wages it goes the opposite direction as those two numbers, right? Anyway, so I think that starts to hit late next year. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot more less stress. Um, I think we're going to see a little more stress in a minute, unfortunately, as we see increased layoffs all over the place. I mean, the layoffs are mm-hmm. insane. It's everywhere, every industry. No one is spared, you, you know, or on pins and needles in certain companies right now. I mean, you know, meta, mm-hmm. I mean, huge. But anyway, so I think um, mid to late next year, we're going to see some real reprieve. Uh, I think we're going to feel it. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about next year is that as a result, in part to this year ending up potentially flat with regards to home values in Santa Cruz County, you know, mm-hmm. the appreciation could be literally zero. It may even be a negative number, which seems absurd, but you know, we have a real compressed uh, time frame for housing statistics, right? So we were going way up. Now we're way mellower. It, it's, it's, everything's happening so much faster. But at the end of the year, yeah, we may have zero. We may have a negative on impre- appreciation. We may be all, at this time, our marketplace in San Cruz County may be absorbing the adjustment already on a level that next year may not have much negative at all. I, I'm starting to believe that we may not have a decrease in price, average price. I, I think that we may stay strong 
And it's because of all those things I just mentioned and what we spoke about earlier with constrained supply. Um, so if Prop 19 starts to become more appealing, well, maybe then the supply loosens a little or not, or, but it's, um, that's a long answer, but that's, those are the things that I'm mindful of when trying to anticipate 23. So I, a takeaway I see from that is probably still, despite the rates, you might want to look now because a little late in the spring, you, you could see prices get out of reach for you despite your job situation and your wages. The other thing would be to keep an eye on your spending. If you see your spending going down, things are cheaper, maybe saving more money. We're not talking the um, don't have Starbucks coffee and you can save for a house, which just is so stupid. <laughs> but but overall, if you can pinch more out to save for the house, even if you have a good down payment, it's always better to have more down. Yeah. Because I don't see the, I see the rate going down from what a few people that I listen to KCM also, and they, they're they talking five and a half, six yeah. in January, which is starting to seem a little bit more affordable. But if you had more to put down, that would be even better. Yeah. And buying points or, starts to look more, buy a point. you know, you get mm -hmm. more uh, impact with buying points in that sort of range. The other thing is, yeah, I, I agree with those takeaways. That's my sentiment is that it's a good time to buy. I, I mean, I'm going to say it. <laughs> it's a good time to buy. Well, in this area, I always try to get people to, if they're, if they're interested to look now too, because, you know, it was raining really hard this last weekend and I showed a couple houses and I was like, you get to see what really happens at this house yes. on this day. Like any other, we could have next year with no rain. And then the following year, you're going to be like, wait, I didn't know this happened at this house. So yeah. I, it's actually, I like to show property kind of at its worst. Well, so absolutely. Kind of see it, it at its worst. It's a managing expectations uh, from a, you know, they get to see how messy does this place get? You know, what are the or how dark problems? Dark. It's that's the other one that came to mind as well. It's a big deal here. Light and bright, yeah. right? Is sort of the what we're looking for. Um, but it, yeah, when it's dark out, how dark is it relative? You know, in this home versus the other one. You know, how does the drainage perform? I just saw that too. And you know, sellers are typically a little bit more motivated, and yeah. they're they're ready to move on. They've made their decision to move, regardless of the market. So. Um, but yeah, I, th I I can kind of, so what you laid out, I hadn't been aware of, but that looks like a very sneaky market Yeah. because as that shift happens, you may not notice it. You're going to go to the gas station and your gas is going to be a little cheaper in your groceries, but you're not going to notice it right. right away. And you're looking at houses casually. And then all of a sudden, when you finally make that decision to hire the agent or even sell, and then you're like, wait, what's going on? I have to, if I'm the seller, it's back to the, got to get everything done up front because it moves too fast to do anything later. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it seems like it's almost like going to be kind of a sneaker market. Like you yes. have to be a little careful. Yeah. It, and, and it's, it's really tricky trying to measure things to, to anticipate. So even advising is, is going to be uh. tricky. Um, but yeah, we're seeing days on market creep up, which seasonally is not a big surprise, but you know, we're getting into the 35 days on market average range. And every week that goes by equals a lower sales price historically. And, um, you know, it's they're 
outliers in that data point sort of, but anyway, it's so, you know, list price to sales price ratio is going to be interesting, right? Um, sellers are not always ready to hear what you think the list price should be when you're an agent and you're advising, um, yeah. you know, and padding things so that, well, negotiation, I want to start here so that if we have to negotiate down, I, you know, it's like, Anyway, so it's um, it's going to be tricky in that regard, too, when it comes to the sneaker market. Um, and yeah, I, you know, if you were to price something right now um, based on what was, would you have priced it like December last year? Statistically speaking, you're pricing decently. That's a decent strategy. And that is going to be a tough sell, so to speak, when it comes to advising a client. What about this hot market all year long? We've been going up, 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 right? Yeah, it does that every spring and summer, right? But when the year finishes out, it's usually below that peak. This year, it's below that peak. It's actually at, you know, January or December 21 level. And so, you know, if that's a tough thing for people to, as a seller, for them to think of strategy and think that that's, you know, the approach, then, yeah, we're going to see statistics that look uh -oh, like price reductions, right? And price reductions cause us to draw conclusions that, oh, the market's going down. Well, it's, you have to be careful because list price is going up and market, you know, the sales price is being stable. You could draw mm -hmm. the wrong conclusion. And so anyway, so it's it's a complicated tale. Um, yeah, and yes, yeah, sneaker market. And, and how slowly does the um, middle income or lower income perhaps earner Accumulate, accumulate savings, right? How much are they mm -hmm. tightening their belt? Like right now, I mean, book a vacation, I dare you right now. Oh my gosh, it's so expensive. And when is it gonna be cheaper to fly to Hawaii? For goodness sakes, man. It it's supposed to be less than it is right now. And Southwest entered that market, right? And, and you know, Alaska and Southwest, it's a race to the bottom. So where did, why isn't that working for us, right? maybe fuel, you know, I mean, also fuel futures. Yeah. You know, and the other thing that's so weird, um, is that we, you know, as an employer of W2 earners, you know, that are, are W2, um, about, you know, beginning of the year, you couldn't find people to take the job. You couldn't hire it. It like, well, maybe if you pay me more and I get to work from home a lot of the time, I'll <laughs> maybe take the job. Whereas now it's like, sorry, we have to lay off all of this department, right? And in one short year, I mean, maybe as short as eight months, the mm. job market flipped a 180, right? So back on that theme of compressed time with certain mm -hmm. activities or, you know, trends or just the time that, oh, that should have gone over like the next two, three years. That should have like slowly adjusted. It just wham, right? Anyway, so we're still, I think to me, I think it's still like a ripple effect from pandemic, economic shutdown, you know, and of course you couple that with just the new norm stuff, right? Um, you know, well, yeah, okay, you can't work from home like half the time until... And just so it's it's really still that we're um, but but one of the things that's really awkward about all of that is the unemployment figures aren't really reflecting what the layoff 
media, you know, feed is, is saying, right. So it's just, um, it's really hard to figure that whole thing right there. It, it's, you know, but so, so many of the employers, here's one other thing I'll throw on this. I'll stop rambling, but this is an interesting thing that I don't hear a lot of people talking about, but when the shelter in place occurred and there were knee jerk reaction, hail Mary efforts from employers to not have their businesses die, their policy implementation and strategies made policy happen fast, right? Hey, we have to cut wages. We can't contribute to 401k We layoffs. Um, you know, we had all kinds of stuff going on, right? Fast, like just super reactionary. And then, you know, it's slowly, everything was fine. But that behavior was new and different. And I think that sadly, I, I think that's, that's very disruptive. It's very high anxiety. It causes a lack of stability or reliability or job security, right? In the average person, I don't know. And so anyway, I think that that behavior happened and it broke the seal. And now I think there is more of an appetite from employers to just big reaction when they think a forecast means something. And so it, it contributes to the compressed timeframe for things to just go one way or the other, um, where you have the employer sort of the uh, reacting in a faster pace with policy. Um, that I don't hear a lot of talk about that concept, but to me, I think it's one of the unspoken, like sad outcomes of the pandemic. I think maybe it's good for big business, but it's sad for mo many people because that's just anxiety. Everyone's looking for a semi-predictable, stable feel. Um, and that's just, uh, you're kind of on your toes all the time. You're at pins and needles. Anyway, that is involved now. I think that's a new norm. Um, at least maybe it, hopefully that the line of that being a thing goes down right over time, but it's too fresh still. And it was something that caused businesses to survive. So it was, oh, good job, right? Oh, we didn't, you know, so now it's like, do that again, you know, do, oh my gosh, the market, the forecast, you see that, wham. Um, and so it's just, it's heavy, you know, anyway, I think that's a new thing. Well, I think there's a couple of things happening there though. I think, well, for, for one, they should be a little bit more confident in their own business and their product instead of reading or, or, or having some sort of pundit tell them where their, their own business is going. So that there, there is that, um, but there is that fear, you know, 2007 really did kind of juggernaut the way we all look at the economy and jobs and the, the, the retiring at 65 with the, the same company that just kind of went out the window. That's just kind of a done thing. But also because my husband works for these companies and kind of wanders around their hallways and sees the people either in their seats or not in their seats, which is interesting. Um, he says there's plenty of money. And he really just thinks that because of the, the way they act around him, like, can you change this light bulb at night when it costs double the pay? And he said, you know, he's like, he's like, no, you don't need that. There's nobody even in this building. Right. It happened this morning. He had to go to work early because they wanted something changed in the morning. There's somebody there. So there's that, that's that perspective that I get to hear about what's going on over there is there's still plenty of money. So these people panicking means that they're really they might be looking at the wrong things, but he also sometimes sees a lot of people hanging out doing nothing, like nothing. 
and he he says, well, they ha- it, to him, it looks like they hire a bunch of people and then things change and then they fire a bunch of people. So then that makes news. So there's there's also that insider thing. So I think you might be reading some of the financial stuff. I think that's part of your job. And then there's just this, us people out there kind of working and, and, and seeing. But I also, it, some of the people I worked with this year led me to believe there is a lot of money out there still. And I, I just don't think that, uh, next year is going to be as scary. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to drive because I've been in that scary market where nobody knew where the work was coming from and, yeah. and who was going to build a house or em- employ any of us. So I, I that there's people still out there. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to buy another one, you yeah. know, and so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of my other uh, statistics I like to grab onto is the average equity in the home statistic. I really like that statistic because I like when people have equity in their homes and they do. Newsflash, people have lots of equity in their homes on average. They have almost 60% equity in their home on average in the US. That's in the US, which is huge. More than half. So their mortgage Mm -hmm. payment is or their mortgage principal amount, loan balance, is less than half of the potential value of their home. That is significant. And that compared to 2007, which we keep saying, well, there was that was a recession. Is this like that one, right? So we can't help but compare, even though it's completely different. Everything's different. And that's one of the big differences in the housing market is that at that time, 20% or less average equity in the home. And when prices adjust 20 to 30%, where does that put that homeowner underwater? Where is their comfort level? Why would I pay a mortgage payment or whatever? You know, cash for keys, right? All that. And so when the economy is tied to the housing market so closely, it's the largest sector in the housing market, you know, whether it's residential sales, residential building, all that. um, When we have equity in our homes, it's a much more stable market. And so and that, that could be why people may not even be using like Prop 19 or even moving to it's yeah. just you've got that kind of nut that you just like, oh, I'm feeling very comfortable about that. And if I go buy something else and you're, you've, you know, you've kind of spent that savings, as it were. And yes, that goes away. So that people do like to feel more secure with that I'm going to plug the podcast I did a couple of weeks ago with Brandy only because it will help people understand the foreclosure market a little bit. She thinks it's going to go up a little bit, but I go back and I look at some of these properties online and, and kind of look at the history of the notice of defaults and the notice of trustee sales. And, you know, these people have been in trouble for a long time. It's just these conditions that actually kind of flip the switch. So then it makes it seem like, that it was caused by that. But some of the ones I was looking at, they were having problems in 2016, 2018. Yeah. And it, it just, and then they probably got it prolonged because of, you know, and that was the same thing before too, as we saw some, we had people coming in when I was working with Brandy, they'd been in trouble with the bank for almost four years before it collapsed, but they were already, they were already done. This just yeah. kind of was just the, yeah, the impetus to kind of get it moving along. So you'll see that, I think, in these conditions where, and then, like you said before, the media will like to jump on this and, and make it this condition 
based on this, but it's it's really kind of just two two twins meeting, but not necessarily caused by each other. So yeah, it's, people it's are looking for stability, and you know how hard are they looking, or how firm are they grasping what they feel is the stability in their life? The fist has tightened. The stability, the de- the desire for stability is strong, is high, right? Because nothing has felt stable for two years. What is stable, right? What is stable? Um, you know. So, yeah, I think that there's a reluctance. If it's not, if it's not broken, don't fix it. If I have sixty yeah. percent equity in my home, a three percent interest rate. <laughs> well, it, and they just told me I had to stay in my house for a whole year. Right, right. What if that happens again? And I've bought a house I don't like, or I've moved to a city I don't like, or I've changed my situation. I'm happy here. So I mean, look at what happened in China, right? I mean, wow. And now you got a borderline revolution, right? I mean, where's that going to end up? I don't know. It's a political storm, I'll call it. Um, it is. But yeah, what if you have to stay in your home again? Well, they apparently did. For a minute, um, maybe not yeah. now as much, but China's a big marketplace. It's a, it's a global economy. What net is that, right? Stability, you know. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> well, and I think that's what my own personal opinion is. I think that's why the Fed's kind of miscalculated on inflation. Is the whole world was going through economic changes, and, and there's. Our, we can only control so much. And then we have all the other markets that feed into ours and we feed into theirs. And the, you can't control those markets. Right. And then they will juggernaut ours. I mean, we are a global, we're global now where everything's global. We have to, we have to understand that. I think there's a lot of people that don't, but, yeah. but that's my own opinion. And it's either that they do or they don't, or maybe they do, but they think they can control Mm-hmm. Some or more of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not sure. So, in closing, I think we kind of flushed something out. And when I said sneaker, it kind of made me think of the oceanography term. Sneaker wave is the one that you right. don't see coming. That's sure. kind of tsunami-ish, and you're not aware of it. And I think that is a really good way to probably forecast not maybe the beginning of the year but maybe mid-year yes where there might be a shift and then we're also busy right the the weather's nice we're outside and school and now we get to go run around again and all these things are starting to happen and then we're going to be in this like wait what's happening that could happen a little bit in the market i think that we'll have some of those seasonal patterns that we've all been accustomed always had i think we'll be in play Um, and yeah, at the time that the things usually hit around spring and summer, they will hit and it will catch some people off guard, um, that it's going to behave. I think the numbers are going to start to behave around spring and summer, like meaning reflect historical seasonal patterns. Um, you know, and so it's just really, it's going to come down to what's supply going to do, you know, cost of building. Is another one. Is it going to be reasonable? Can you actually build a house and sell it, and it makes sense? You know, on a scale. You know, I mean, new starts, right? They're not 
it's not happening, you know? And so the, the constraint on supply from the news starts being low, from stability, please, 60% yeah. equity, 3% interest rate, is that, are those things gonna move a little bit? Um, and yeah, I think that spring, summer, they will, you know? Um, if inflation does go down, which it seems it will, wages do go up a little bit, you know, um, there's gonna be some demand that's gonna be noteworthy. And so, yeah, to wait to buy, I'm gonna do my final push on, think about buying if you're trying to buy ever in the next year or two, buy. Go buy. <laughs> Be one of the few that look at the home and the seller is motivated. And they're so the seller that, that's doing this, right? Well, they, they're like, but we have to, right? So they're amenable to talk about you got to sell a home. Uh, okay. You know, can you offer a little higher price so we're like, feel like it is good for us too? So that's keeping prices right, you know? It's um, so anyway, it, but meanwhile, yeah, the cost of money is high uh, comparatively to recent times, but refinance. My favorite thing though, two one seller buy down. Oh my gosh, that is mm -hmm. the coolest thing you can do. If you're getting a seller buy down, you know, two one buy down, it's a very specific product. Speak with Michelle about how you have to, that's what we want. You have to write it specifically. <laughs> yes into yes. the purchase agreement it's it's a real thing and you have to know how it works and do it right but it's fantastic um for your monthly payment and do that and if you want to refi when it gets good probably third quarter or fourth quarter next year and when i say that i mean lower interest rate good um but yeah get your ducks in a row and one of the ducks to get in a row is buy the house now and um, yeah so anyway, that's my plug on, I think, you know, good time. My last plug will be, um, I've been calling vendors for work to be done. Window guys, flooring guys, they've been picking up my call on the first ring. So if you do have some extra cash and you want some projects to be done, this is also the time to do that. That's correct. Because these guys are picking up the phone. And it's not because they didn't want to talk to me before. It's just because they were too busy. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm going to plug that in a um, video coming up soon, too, is if you can. This is this is the time to go ahead and get those projects put on hold because they were all too busy. Right. You can hire people now. <laughs> you can hire people. I spent two years going, uh, I don't have anybody for you. I have, you know, I give them lists of people and just say, at one point, um, so I was sending out... Um, the Contractors Guild website, which is very good, reputable builders. Yep. And there's lots of them there. So I can send out just a whole link and just go, okay, start here because yep. I don't know. I don't know who's got a little extra time. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Always a pleasure. Coming on. And we, we did, um, I know the market usually trends the same way, but it, it does, it does sound like, um, you might need to keep in touch with professionals if you're thinking of making a move to see if you can get a better read on what, what, and if things are changing. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Happy holidays. Hey, it's the realtor lady, Michelle Replogle. 
Is there a subject you would like me to explore in real estate or maybe about Santa Cruz? Feel free to contact me. I'd love to hear from you. Or if you'd like me to help you buy or sell real estate, that's also something that I do. You can contact me on Instagram, Live the Santa Cruz Life, or on my website, michellesellsforyou.com. That's with one L. My Facebook page, Live the Santa Cruz Life as well. Or check out my YouTube channel, Live the Santa Cruz Life with Michelle Replogle. And my email, michelle at michellesellsforyou.com. I would love to hear from you.